Good morning, everybody. How many of you knew in our Christian tradition, how many of you know in our Christian tradition that Sunday is not the last day of the week? Sunday is the first day of the week. How many of you knew that? Good, good. Sunday is actually the first day of the week. So we get to start here together on Sunday to start the week together. Isn't that amazing? Good. So this is exciting because a lot of you go to Monday and like you might post, ah, it's Monday. What I want you to post is it's Monday because I got fired up on Sunday. Amen? <laughs> so remember, today's the day we start the week together. So let's do that well. Welcome, everybody. I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you chose to be here this morning to start your week. Amen? And so to our guests, would our family give me just a chance with our guests? Our guests, we hope you feel like family the minute you get here. And so we are just that kind of a loving church. We're all Jesus Church, amen? And so we're glad you're with us today. For our guests, a couple things just to help you kind of feel acclimated here is this worship guide when you walk through the door. We are going to go into God's Word together here in just a couple seconds or a few seconds. On the back is an outline. Uh, you'll see these phrases up here. Feel free uh, to fill them in. Uh, don't fill them in ahead of time, DJ. Just kidding, he's, getting, he's already filling it in. Like, he's guessing what I'm guessing. It's like, that's pretty cool. So feel free to follow along in there. There's also this Connect card. Even if you're just visiting us for a week, for a reason you're in Manhattan, we would love to get this Connect card and just reach out and say, man, we, we, is there anything we can answer? Questions for you? If you are looking for a church home, we would love for you to fill out this Connect card. Tear it off. There's these boxes right by the door where we drop offering and stuff. We'd love you to drop it there so we can get in contact with you which now makes me sure I pick on our folks online. So we want to welcome everybody who's online with us too. This is pinned out there on Facebook Live and on our website, and you can also submit this Connect card right there, and we're glad you're worshiping with us today also. Whew. All right, here we go. So we're starting a new sermon series. It's called The Way. And this is going to kick off Lent for us. How many here, this is kind of an interesting question that I did not know the answer until this week. Do you know what the word Lent means? And it's not what's in your belly button. That's Lent. This is Lent. Does anybody know what Lent means? I didn't. So, anybody want to guess? Lending something to somebody else? That's, that's a good guess. Some people would think giving up, right? Giving up something, because that's a common thought. Lent actually means lengthening. Lengthening. The word Lent means lengthening. It means that we are into the days of spring where the days get longer. And so Lent is a season where we walk into the longer days, which means what? Spring is around the corner, and for us in our faith, new life, right? New life. So we're walking into the season of new life as God explodes nature with his colors and everything like that. So, so we are going to go on a 40-day journey together in Lent here in this series called The Way. We're going to focus on, well, I'm going to talk about what we're going to focus on. So I want you to open your Bibles with me to the Gospel of John in the New Testament, chapter 1. The Gospel of John, chapter 1, verse 1, it's what we call the prologue. I want you to jump in there with me, and I'm going to jump into it here in just a little bit. Um, we'll be reading out the New Living Translation, and you'll see those scriptures up overhead also. Uh, as I always like this new pattern that was, that there's a, a great soul in here who gave me this that said Brian we should pray before the Holy Spirit every time we go to the word and I said amen so let's pray and let's go to the Holy Spirit together before we jump into his word Holy Spirit we are lifting ourselves up to you as we go and venture into this your word the Bible 
The Holy Spirit, only you can illuminate this to us. Only you can show us what it means. So Holy Spirit, take a hold of our hearts. We have been walking into your presence, singing and praying into your presence, clearing our minds and hearts. And we ask that we clear our minds and hearts right now to receive your word, to receive what you're trying to share with us. But most of all, most of all, we're offering our hearts in your hands. This is scary to mold them, shape them, stretch them. But make sure we do not walk out of here without being changed because that's what your word does. So Holy Spirit, we give ourselves freely to you. Sometimes that's scary, but it's always beautiful. Guide us as we go through this. In your holy name we pray, amen. So did I get all the way up here and forget? No, it's, no I, did, I did, I did, I did, I forgot something. So everybody has something. I wanted, to, I wanted to do something to connect with everybody, and I thought, well, one way I can connect with everybody is everybody has, almost everybody has a smartphone, Right? And so um, the one question I have is like, this is one thing that's important to all of us is a smartphone, like our lives start to, 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 to hover around it. Um, the one thing is, I'm gonna talk a little bit about the smartphone. The one thing I hope is our like middle schoolers say, mom and dad, Pastor Brian said I need a smartphone. That's not what I'm saying. But on the smartphone, I wanna I want ask you this question. On the smartphone, what is the first app or what is the first utility you use on your phone every day? And those online, if you're on Facebook Live, you can just type it in right there. What is the first app, the first application, uh, the first utility that you use on your phone every day? The Bible. We knew that answer would come quick. Good. What else? Social media. What? The weather. Today might be a good one to watch the weather a little bit later today. Here we go into March, right? Rage is in. Here we go. Severe weather chance tonight. What other ones? Calendar, thank you. We said calendar. Alarms, message. How many times have you already messaged today? I want to share with you. I want to share with you. I have an app. I know mine. The first one I use every day, the first one I use every day, it's, don't judge me. It's not the Bible app. I know, ooh, what? It's, it's not my alarm app. It's not my Spotify app. Uh, it's not even my messaging app. There's an app, a uh, utility I use on mine very first thing every day. My flashlight. My flashlight app. Now, here's why. Here's why I use my flashlight app every morning. Every morning, I am an early riser. This morning, it was 4.30. I know, this is getting almost psychotic. But it's like five, it's like five or six every day I'm waking up and I'm like, let's go, let's go, let's go. So I turn on my flashlight app because I don't want to wake up my wife, Kara. But right next to our bed is where Nala, our dog, sleeps. And so I don't want to squash Walla. Nala, I don't want to wake up Kara. So I start navigating around the room with my flashlight app. So I'm trying to be quiet, not stub my toe, you know. So I'm moving through the darkness with my flashlight app. But what I noticed about my flashlight app, if you look at it, it only gives me about three or four foot of light. So, so the one thing I would love to see is I need your help. Would you pull out your smartphone? Everybody who's got a smartphone, bring it out. And let's turn on your light. Mine only does about four foot. Let's see what everybody else is like. This is good. Uh, those, uh, those at home online, like, I wish you could see this. I know I don't have a camera angle to turn, but it's like we're lit up. <laughs> you can probably see me now. Okay, I want to just do this. Let's wave the wheat. Let's wave. Uh, like, yeah, that's like, isn't that really cool? All right. 
saying, keep them on, keep them on. Actually, we're going to need your light for a little bit. What is the problem with this app? How long does it last? <laughs> Until our batteries, and this one draws power, right? So this can only long, so how long can it stay lit? Um, I'm going to ask you to keep them on for me to help us navigate this first part of what we're talking about today. Because there's an interesting thing about darkness. One is that we're born into it. The second thing is we walk daily in it. And the third thing is we struggle to find our way in it. That's the reality of darkness. So using your, your flashlight, look at your first sermon note. Here's your first sermon note. Our default is darkness. Our default is darkness. Now, you know, so I say, well, Brian, I, I can walk out these doors and, and it's not dark. I, I don't get this. It's, why is this our default? I am not talking about physical darkness. I am talking about spiritual darkness. We are born into it. We walk in it every day and we struggle to find our way in it. Those three things. So what is the definition then of spiritual? We know what physical darkness is. What is the definition of spiritual darkness? And here's, this may be new to you, and I think it's a fresh look at it, but spiritual darkness is a world that is constantly distorting the truth and getting us to believe it. Spiritual darkness, think about it. Spiritual darkness is when I am born into, we are all born into a broken world that has darkness. And, and when we believe, when, when this world is constantly going after us to just bend the truth a little bit, just to distort the truth a little bit, and then we believe that, then we start to venture into that darkness. Now there's an issue when we venture into darkness and we walk away from truth, or we, I call it bent truth or distorted truth, because it sounds right. Or it sounds, I don't know, we start heading towards it. And what is, what is always consistent with us walking towards darkness is it is the opposite direction of walking towards God. Because we're walking into a truth that's not true. And also, so it's anytime we move in darkness, we're moving away from God in relationship. Anytime we're moving away from God in relationship, I can almost guarantee you we're moving away from people in relationship. And that is the power and the damage of darkness. Let me give you some examples of spiritual darkness. The first one is I work 80 hours a week because I want to provide for my family and give them the things that they need and I never see them. I believe this bent truth, this distorted truth that I'm providing for my family. And I'm providing not stuff, I'm providing stuff they don't need. Because what they need is me. And the further I go into that darkness of that truth, or that bent truth, the further I get away from God, because I don't have time for Him, and the further I get away from my family. Second one, this one might ring true with college students or military folks here, is tests, exams. We're always going for promotions, we're always trying to move along in school. But let's say to protect protect my grade or protect my scholarship or get that promotion that I might cheat. I might just go in the darkness for just a little bit and cut a corner because it's more important that I protect this. So I bend the truth a little bit and I go cheat on something. Or for our kids in the room, kids, what if about four o'clock you go to mom and you say, I want a cookie 
And mom says, what? It's almost an hour till supper. Let's wait. And when mom leaves the room, what do we do? We ninja into the room. <laughs> we sneak up to the cookie, pot, cookie jar and we take a cookie. It satisfies for a minute, doesn't it? And that's what walking in darkness is. It's going towards a bent truth. Does it really, did God really say? Does it really matter? Does it really, and we go further and further in the darkness. We move further and further from him. And the next thing you know, we're isolating from others too. And we grasp in the dark. We grasp all the time. We're looking for stuff. And when we finally get a hold of it, we realize it doesn't satisfy for very long. And it always comes at a cost because we lose God and we lose others. But you know what we always find in the dark? I guarantee we will always find this in the dark. We will find guilt, shame, frustration, addiction, attachment, and loneliness. That's a small list. You know there's a lot of other things we find in the dark. And then we latch on to them. And we end up spending so much time in the dark and the guilt and shame builds up so much that the dark becomes our new home. And we begin to isolate just from everything. That is how the enemy works. It's the number one strategy. This light we have on our phone, it illuminates so little of our path. It doesn't do anything to illuminate what's in us. We desperately need something more. We need a light that can penetrate every crack and get around every corner, and we need a light that holds off the darkness. God knows darkness. God knows darkness, and he's relentless to get us out of the darkness. He's relentless to save us from the darkness. When we, and you guys, all of us probably been through this. We get in such a dark place that we finally cry out to God, right? We get in such a dark place, we cry out, rescue me from the darkness. And I'll tell you what, God won't do it. God won't do it. God will not rescue you and pull you out of darkness. God will join you in the darkness. And that's a big difference. God doesn't yank you out. God goes into it with you. And there's a word that we use for that. It's called grace. Your second sermon note, grace always invades the darkness. Grace always invades the darkness. Sometimes you hear this definition, it's correct, of grace. What is grace? It's God's unmerited favor. What that means is God pursues us whether we deserve it or not. God's love chases us, comes after us, whether we deserve it, whether we're behaving, whether we're not. God relentlessly pursues us through grace. My definition that I like about grace is God's grace is God's love taking the first step towards us. Because see, in darkness, we don't know how to take a step towards him. I believe grace is God always takes the first step and it's always towards us. He always initiates invading our lives. He's always there. All we have to do is respond to his grace. All we have to do is respond. 
God's greatest act of grace. If you go to the Bible, you open up chapter two and three, you see Adam and Eve, and you see sin into the world, you see God's grace right behind it. He goes and he finds them because they're hiding in the darkness. You go through the Old, Old Testament, and you'll see God constantly chase. He'll go all the way down to Egypt and rescue a people. He's patient, but his grace is always coming after us. But there's one place where his grace has happened like no other time before. And that's where we are in the Gospel of John, chapter 1, verse 1. This is called the prologue. This sets the stage for everything else in the Gospel of John and what we talk about. And when we go through this, we're going to see the phrase, the word. The word. And word is capitalized like a title. The word. I'm going to actually use a different word. I'm going to use the actual what the word describes is Jesus. So I'm going to replace Jesus so we understand Jesus is the word. He is how God reveals himself to us. But let's read through this. Starting in verse 1. In the beginning... Jesus already existed. Jesus was with God, and Jesus was God. He existed in the beginning with God, and God created everything through him. And nothing was created except through him. Nothing. Jesus gave life to everything that was created and his life brought what? Light to everyone, everyone. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness can never extinguish it. God sent a man, John the Baptist, to tell about the light so that everyone might believe because of his testimony. And John himself was not the light. He was simply a witness to tell about the light. The one, Jesus, who is the true light, who gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. All right, let's turn the lights back on. Let's quit running our batteries down. I want us to hold on to see where the light really comes from (laughs) until we got through that. As I mentioned in the Gospel of John, this is called the prologue. It really sets the stage for everything else we read throughout the Gospel of John. It kind of tells us everything we need to know in the framework of who Jesus is. So everything now tells about the story of his life. So it impacts, it's just, it's just a great way of setting up the book. But there's these very important points. So I got some notes here that in, these, in the first nine verses, there's some really important things we learn about Jesus that are really important. The first is Jesus never had a starting point. This is in verse one. In the beginning was Jesus. He was never created. He's always existed. He was there before God even had earth as a vision and decided, well, maybe not that, but before ever God formed earth. Not only has Jesus never had a starting point, your second note there, he has always been with and is God. So Jesus never had a starting point. This is verses one and two. He's always existed, and since that, he's always been with God, and Jesus is God. So we're seeing two persons of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Spirit. He's always been with him, and he is him. 
in Jesus, and our scripture will tell us we see the fullness of God. We're going to talk about that down the road. The third thing it tells us is not only was Jesus didn't have a starting point, he, he's with and is God, but he's also the creator of the cosmos. Verse three, God chose to create everything through him. Everything. Why did God choose in the, in the person, the second person of Jesus to create everything? We don't know, but he is our creator. Not only did Jesus did God create everything through Jesus, not just you and I, he created trees and plants, every ocean, every planet, every universe. And now we got a new telescope out there showing us how much further we can see and realizing how big the cosmos really is and it was all created through him. So why is this important? There's one more note here, but this is so important to see this. It's so important to know why these things, why did Jesus always exist? Why is he God and why is he our creator? Because that tells us, that tells us that he created us, he knows the owner's manual, he loves us, and he has all authority to guide us, judge us, and save us. He has all that. So John's setting this up to say, trust in him for everything. And the last note, is Jesus, this is interesting because just in the first three verses it talks about starting point and is with God and creator but the next five verses talk about this Jesus gives life three verses it kind of gives us a big picture the next five it talks about he gives light to see where we're going and to see inside us this light not only shines down the path this light shines in us so we can see the darkness not only in front of us, but the darkness in us. It says Jesus is the light in the darkness and the darkness will never win against him. So three things that we pick out of all this about the, just the light in verses four through nine is the light points the way because the light penetrates the darkness, that distorted truth, the light shines the truth. It shows us the truth. And the third thing does, and, and for those who respond, is it brings life. It says that right in the verse, it brings life to everyone in the light. Three things. It shows us a way. It shows us the truth, which is not darkness. It's the real light. We follow those two, it gives us life because we know what darkness brings, amen? Several weeks ago, we started this series, uh, Pastor Wayne, I think, was up here that weekend, and we talked about my life, who I was before I knew Jesus, and who I was after, and everybody filled out cards. Remember that? We pinned them on the back wall. I encourage you as you leave today to read them. If you haven't read them already, Every one of those cards talks about who I was before I knew Jesus and what he's doing now. Every one of those cards says, this is what it's like to walk in the darkness and this is what it's like to walk in the light. This one I picked off the wall. I don't know if it's yours. Well, somebody's here. It says, I was lost, wanting to be found. Then Jesus Christ found me. He didn't yank me out of the darkness, did he? He found me in the darkness and brought the light to me. And it's got a heart drawn around Jesus. 
It's pretty cool. Let's continue on the Gospel of John. There's so much more I was going to talk about in Jesus in this prologue. So let's go to verse 10. Jesus came into the very world he created, but the world didn't recognize him. He came to his own people, and even they rejected him. But to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. They are reborn not with a physical birth resulting from human passion or plan, but a birth that comes from God. So as John continues, this paints this picture, framework for the whole gospel about Jesus. He says a creator Jesus came into the spiritual darkness of the world. See, he didn't create the world like that. When truth got bent, it brought darkness, and the world that Jesus created went awry. So the creator came down into the world, into the spiritual darkness. It says first he came to the Israelite people, the chosen people. Why were they chosen? Because they were the first start to show God to the rest of the world. He came to them first. And that light showed up, and that light showed the darkness in them, and many of them wanted the darkness instead of the light, and they rejected him. He came to his own people that, that, that they were working through to show God to the world, and most of them rejected him. What's my favorite word in the Bible? But. We hit that word next, right? But always flips the, the whole course of where we're going. But to all who believed, to all who accepted the light, he gave them the right to become children of God. He gave them the right to be in the eternal family of God. And when that happened, he says they were reborn. Not of a, a plan of human passion. I hope I don't need to go into that in the detail. But a birth that comes from God. The light came the light showed the way to God. They accepted the light. Now they see, not only do they see down the path, they see inside their hearts and they are reborn. Here's your next note. Jesus was born so we could be reborn. The light came to earth as a baby on Christmas Day over 2,000 years ago. We just celebrated that. Jesus was born so we could be reborn. What does it mean to be reborn? It means that those who respond to the light and walk out of the darkness back to him with him are reborn. It means they are given new life. Now here's one thing we struggle sometimes in Christianity. In Christianity we believe if I just believe and if I show up on Sunday for an hour that I'm good that one day I will get new life in heaven. Some people that is a sum total of Christianity and we want to blow that up for about 40 days. Jesus says, no, you don't come and follow me just so you have something way down the road when you die. He says, you can be reborn now. You actually have that new life now. You have that joy and hope of living in me now. The kingdom of heaven is here now. And that is what we need to embrace as a church, that we come to life now. 
and not plug and play for an hour on Sunday and go back home and be somebody else. Let's continue on John 1.14, finishing up here in the prologue. So Jesus became human and made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. And we have seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. So what we know about Jesus, who always existed, is he left his home. He left the throne of heaven, a place that sounds pretty good, right? And he came and made his home with us. The light came into the darkness. He was full. Now we see the example of him that's the example for us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. Your version may say he was full of grace and truth or similar version. They're all right. They're all acceptable. One of the core values of our church is we all grow to be like Christ is that we are full of truth and full of grace. You cannot offset those. We're both because it's the model of Christ. He came down here to show us somebody who's full of truth and full of grace, full of faithfulness, full of love in that grace. And that's our next sermon note. The God of the universe, this should just like take our breath away. I don't know if it takes your breath away, but the God of the universe took on flesh. How much do we think God cares about us? How much will he penetrate the darkness he took on flesh? Now I see two meanings in this. And the one is that he came to earth and became human in Jesus to save us. The other is that he took on our flesh. So when you see the word flesh when it relates it to us, commonly it's a flesh that likes the darkness and has struggle with the truth. And that's where flesh commonly is referred to with us. He came to take on not only flesh and being human, he took on our flesh of destruction. And then let's jump out of the prologue. I want to jump ahead to Gospel of John chapter 8. Now we hear the words of Jesus, not the words of John, the words of Jesus about being the light. Jesus spoke to the people once more and said, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. Now we hear Jesus' words, I am the light. Follow me, and you'll have the light that leads to life. So if you take all this that we've said, and we're looking at this in this way series, this sermon series called The Way, this is the way of light. We're focusing on the light. If you put all this together, it all comes together in one sense that Jesus shares in John 14, 6. I am the way the truth, and the life. Nobody comes to the Father except to me. Nobody comes to heaven except through me. Jesus says, I am the way that lights the way, and in that you will see the truth. And when you accept that, it brings new life, now and in eternity. He boils it all down to one sentence, and our whole series is going to be based on this, and it starts with the way. I am the way. I am the way. The world does not believe in an exclusive way to heaven. Jesus is the way, and we're going to talk about that so you can talk about that. I want you to invite people. You saw an email from me this week. Invite people here that need to hear this truth and see the love and the truth of God through Christ.
I'll get back to that. What happens when, when one person, one person turns from darkness and walks in the light? The big word we use is redemption. We watch redemption win. Jesus redeems them and brings them back. So when one person does it, we call it redemption. Redemption, one life. And it says the angels in the heavens burst in cheer when one life. But what happens? What happens when whole families or whole communities now walk in the light? We call that revival. Now, this is a big word over the last two weeks. If you're watching anything that's going on, revival is a big word. We've been praying for revival. This event happened at Asbury College and Seminary. Uh, started about two weeks ago, a chapel service, college kids, and next thing you know, it didn't stop for over a week. All night, all day, people from around the nation coming to watch. There were no fancy speakers. There were no nothing. It was a movement of the Holy Spirit and the word revival spread around. So we get that question about Brian, revival. Let's bring it here. So let me tell you some thoughts about revival a little bit. Is first... Revival is a work of the Holy Spirit. We can't force it. We can't control it. We can't move it. Revival comes where he wants it to come. But what can we do? That's not negative. We need to cheer it on when we see it. And we need to pray for it to come. And that's where most people stop and say, please don't stop. Because when he comes, we have to join it. Because all grace requires our response. So pray for revival. Is that happening here? I see revival in individuals nearly every day. I have a, a treasured place with all of our other ministry leaders to watch revival happening in individuals. Have we been praying for a widespread? I, I don't really want the sensational mountain high. I want to see God move. That's what I love seeing. So is it happening here? Well, you know, I pay attention because the Holy Spirit works as the ways we don't think he's going to work all the time. But last week when we prayed, we just had a prayer service that we're committing to at least three, four times a year to stop as a family and just pray because that's so much power. And we're wondering, because it's the second one that we did, and we're wondering, how are you guys going to attach to this? How are guests going to feel, especially when you get to small groups and have six or eight praying together and somebody's brand new here going, holy smokes, what is this? Within a second, I watched this place when we went to small groups. I watched them all collectively come together without hesitation, but there was something I shared with staff that they saw too, and the second time that we've done that is that half this place linked up in hands without even being asked. The unity and power of the Spirit, you're watching it. You're watching it. Revival. But I also want to say, I think I may have saw it last Tuesday here in our community. I saw something happen last Tuesday night here in our community that looks like revival to me. And instead of trying to explain it to you, I want you to watch it. Thank you. 
I was there. And you would say, and it was that loud. That was the song, Sandstorm Plays, Everybody Goes Nuts. Why would I say it's revival? One person can turn on a light or let the light of Christ show on them. It's going to shine about four feet. You saw what happens when 100 to 200 people turn on a light. It can change a worship center. 13,500 can change a community. So, Brian, why, why are you bending the truth saying sports is revival? Because it wasn't the win I saw. It was at every timeout. At every timeout, they would highlight one of the players. I heard our starting guard, and they asked him these trivia questions. It's broadcasting while we're all bored during a timeout, right? And they asked one of our starting guards, they said, who would you want to be best friends with? And he replied on this video, 13,000 watching, Stephon Curry, a famous NBA guard. And they asked why? Because he's a man of God. And that echoed through 13,500 people. Another one popped up. And it said, what, another athlete, they interviewed him and said, and this is on the big screen during time, I said, what book are you reading? What do you say? The Bible. Coach Tang and his coaches, several of them are strong professors of the light. If you stick around and listen to the post-game show, there's 1,000, 2,000 people that will stay in that stadium to listen to him talk afterwards, or any coach. Every time I've heard him, almost every time, he will start by saying the only reason that I am privileged to be here and doing this is because of my Lord, Savior, Jesus Christ. And thir- you know, thousands hear that every time. It's not about Coach Tang. It's about the light in him and the light in his coaches and the light in his players that are affecting a community. Why do I know it's affecting a community? Because the Holy Spirit works in ways that we don't necessarily think. I love everything about K-State sports. I love being there. You know I'm a sports guy. I hated the chant that come out of the crowd. It's been there for years. And I'm not going to say what it is. But it's the one thing that just takes away our class. And that light through those people have changed, and that chant is now gone. You can influence 13,000 people in the light. So why do I think that could be revival? Well, we can go to a chapel at Asbury and say, well, we expect it here. Well, do you know at Asbury, which is the showboat, or sorry, probably not the best word, it is the seminary college for the Methodist Church, and if you know that, you will know the Methodist Church has been in severe crisis for three years, schisming and splitting apart over issues of doctrine and sexuality. It's been blown up for three years. And in their main seminary and college, Revival breaks out at the toughest place to be right now. And it didn't break out with the professors. It didn't break out with the key people. It broke out with the Gen Z community. Those worship services were led by Generation Z, who we all wonder what's going to go on in that generation. They just showed you what can happen with the power of the Holy Spirit. So let's watch for revival. But this is important. Let's cheer it on. Let's pray for it. And then when we see it, whether it's through two or three or through 13,000, let's join it. And let's be the light. Last sermon note. You ready? Here's the challenge. Billions live in the dark. And we carry the light. Here's our challenge. Billions live in the dark. And we carry the light of Jesus. 
Eight plus billion people are on this planet. And well over four billion do not know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Now you think, well, that's the world. Well, let's drill down to Manhattan. Westview's catchment area would say is 15 to 20 miles. 70,000 people live within 20 miles of this church. Tens of thousands of them are sleeping in this morning thinking tomorrow's the first day of the week. And we have the light in us. And we can make a difference and God has chosen us to be the front agent to bring hope to the world. If you go way back to verse 9 in chapter 1 it says the one who is a true light Jesus gives light to everyone that light is in you and I but you may be here today and have not made that decision to follow him and you're getting pretty darn tired of darkness and I would ask as we go into this last song here in just a minute if you're tired of the darkness and you want to start following the light I'm going to be sitting right in this front row and there will be a hundred other people here who would love to walk with you because we've all been through this would you come up and sit down with me and say, I want to turn that corner today and I want to start walking in the light. Come right up to this front row. Do not be ashamed. And today we can turn. And we'll watch revival in one, which becomes others. And 400 people here on fire with the light. Watch what the Holy Spirit can do. If you believe. If you're okay with Jesus and you're walking in the light but you're tired of people around you hurting and lost and suffering in the darkness, would you be the light this week? You saw my email this week. You saw my email this week. And if not, get on our list. I asked you to do three things after we came out of prayer. We prayed last week for all those who were screaming, come back to God. And we prayed in small groups about who you really care about. And we sent you an email this week to remind you that you carry the light. Let's go after those people and bring them the light and point them to the Savior. As Christians, let's quit praying, God, would you come down? Would you just change them? And I don't want anything to do with it. We gotta quit that prayer. Instead, you say, God, would you show me where you're at work in the darkness and can I join you there? Because that's where the light is. If you're tired of those around you who love hurting and lost, let's start making a difference today. Invite them into your life. That's what was in the email. Invite them first onto your porch, on your kitchen table, and build a relationship with them. Hear their story. Introduce them to a Savior. And then invite them into this community because when they come alive in light, they'll want to be in a community of light. They'll naturally be drawn here and then walk with them every day. Walk with them every day and help them grow in the light. The one who is the true light gives light to everyone and he chooses to do it through us.